to see everybody. Let's turn to um, 1 Corinthians and chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 14. And we'll read to chapter 2 and verse 5 together. So 1 Corinthians 1. And we'll begin reading together in verse 14. And we want to fix our minds, our hearts, and our thoughts tonight on the message of the cross. Very good. So this is 1 Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my name, in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jew a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not all, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in 
the power of God. Amen. That is the word of God. See again, just briefly, uh, verse 2 and chapter 2 again. You see Paul's zeal, his heart, his uh, passion, his direction, purpose in life, for I determined to not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The, the message of Paul's life was Christ and him crucified. It is the message of the cross. Now, this, brethren, of course, does not mean that if you ask Paul, hey, Paul, you know, you've been out today, how's the weather? He said, no, 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 I, I'm just, I, I know nothing except Christ and him crucified. Or if he said, hey, Paul, you know, um, the believers, the brethren in Ephesus, they have some questions about the organization of the church. And, and you know, what do you mean when you speak about you know, elders in the church? He would say, no, 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 I know nothing among you except Christ and crucified. No, I mean, certainly, Paul's ministry was manifold. Uh, there was a variety of topics that he touched on, but the overarching um, goal, message, purpose was the message of the cross. This was the message that Paul wanted to be known for. And you recall, brethren, of course, it's been, I guess it's been like three weeks now, right? But as we jumped into the first part of this chapter, we talked about the divisions in the church, and it was a church enamored with personalities. Now, by the way, these personalities include great personalities like, you know, Peter and Apollos. Now, these men were both gospel preachers. They had the same message, but the point is that the nature of man is such that we can become enamored with certain personalities, and that's what happened in the church, and it became a point of, of divisions. And so Paul is now trying to bring them onto the same page. Let's get away from personalities. Let's get onto the message. What, what are we about? We're about the message of the cross. I desire to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. I don't have time to talk about who's the better speaker. Paul gives himself a personal testimony in chapter 2. I didn't come with wisdom. I didn't come with you know, exceptional oratory power. I came with the simple message of Christ and him crucified. With much trembling, by the way. So we see again in verse 17, if you go back to chapter 1, that Christ sent Paul to preach the gospel. Now this includes, brethren, to herald the gospel. This, is, this includes both publicly and house to house. Acts 20, 20, 21, rather, to the Ephesian elders. I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it, <laughs> that is to herald it or preach it, proclaimed it to you both publicly and house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So both publicly and privately, Paul was sent to preach the gospel. And just a few observations, brethren, as we kind of walk through this passage, sort of from a, a higher point, we don't have time to certainly bring out every detail of our passage, but from a bit of a 30,000-foot level, I just want to first of all point out to you some truths about Paul and his intentions about preaching the message of the cross. You know, first, brother, Paul, this is real simple, right? But Paul had no intentions of being a, quote-unquote, celebrity pastor. It wasn't all about Paul. He didn't preach himself. He wasn't in it, he wasn't in it for the numbers game, Right? 
He wasn't bragging and boasting about the quote-unquote success of his ministry. You see that in these opening verses we read tonight in verses 14 and following. You know, I thank God I baptized none of you except Christmas and Gaius. You know, again, as we mentioned the first time, that is a rather shocking statement. But Paul is highlighting the truth that he was sent not to, not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Paul had no desire to be known for his numbers, but for his faithfulness. Second of all, we see that, um, you know, Paul, uh, Paul believed in the supremacy of preaching. He believed in the supremacy of preaching. Again, at the end of verse 17, not with word, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no, of no effect. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And so Paul believed in the supremacy of preaching. Matthew Henry said, quote, the plain preaching, listen to this, the plain preaching of a crucified Jesus was more powerful than all the oratory and philosophy of the heathen world. And that is exactly what Paul is getting at here. He asked, in the beginning of verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the spear of the sage? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And really that brings us now to our third observation. You know, Paul was never enamored, or he never pandered to, you could say, to the philosophies and whims of sinful men. Now, this is noteworthy, brethren, because, you know, I remember being in seminary and there was some discussion about, you know, some famous pastors who, when they started their churches, they started out by going door to door and, and asking, um, what kind of church do you want? You know, and he began to shape his message according to what people said. And, and that was uh, sort of his philosophy of ministry, felt needs, meeting felt needs. Just want to point out that was not Paul's philosophy of ministry. Paul never pandered to the philosophies or whims or quote-unquote felt needs of his day and age. He was a man with a message, and that message was a crucified Savior. Now, if you want to pander to men's needs, that's not the message you bring. That was a scandalous message. It was foolishness to the natural man. Look at verse 22. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks' foolishness. You know, to bring to a Jewish audience that your Messiah has come and they pinned him to a tree and he bled and he died, but he's risen again. This was to... So many Jews, absolutely a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, with all their mighty systems of philosophy, this was absolute nonsense to those natural, unconverted ears. But here we have the preaching of salvation to lost sinners, the suffering and death of Christ. 
for his people. And brethren, whenever that is faithfully explained and, and applied, just be aware that there's always going to be people that it's going to appear foolish to, or boring to, or of no concern of theirs. They might say, hey, you only live once. doesn't really matter. I'm just here to have some fun. Brethren, those folks are on the path of destruction. And that is exactly what Paul is teaching. Now, fourth, we see that the gospel is the means that God uses to call out his elect. Look again at verse 24 and following. But to those who are called. Now, if you're like me, brothers and sisters, you've probably had conversations with folks who say, you know, Matt, I don't know about this Calvinism stuff because I opened up my concordance and I didn't see that many references to election or predestination. Well, of course, truth is not contingent upon how many times you see a reference in a concordance, A, but B, you also have to take in consideration words like called. This is the effectual call. This is the sovereign call. This is the truth that in time, the Spirit of God calls out his people. You know, the elect are born the elect, but the elect are not born saved. You're not saved until the Spirit of God calls you to himself, opens your heart to believe, you repent of your sins, trust the finished work of Jesus, and that's when you pass from death to life, and then you are saved. Well, Paul says, it's those who are called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God, quote-unquote, is wiser than men, and the weakness of God, quote-unquote, is stronger than men. Paul is saying that stumbling block of the Jews, that foolishness to the Greeks, that's nothing. All of that is the weakness of men. And the gospel is the means that God uses to call out his elect. And we will see that God has not chosen many philosophers or orators or rich people or entertainers or sports players or any other group that might be called noble. Look at verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, parenthetically, I'm going to say something here. Think about this. How often have you heard somebody say that if fill the blank would only get saved, then a lot of people would come to know Jesus? Okay, is that true? That's exactly the opposite, it seems, of what Paul is actually saying here. In fact, the work of God's salvation is not contingent upon the popularity or the oratory of anyone who takes up the message of the cross. It's not contingent upon that, so that is actually not true. And so if somebody says, well, if Ben Shapiro only became saved, so many people would become saved. Well, it would be wonderful if Ben Shapiro uh, uh, or a Jewish man became a follower of Jesus. That'd be wonderful. But to then go on to say, well, if he did, so many other people would become saved would be is a, uh, a bridge the Bible does not actually build. In fact, the opposite is true. God does, and God calls out the foolish things of this world, but God, verse 27, has chosen 
The what? The foolish things of the world are put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28, and the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, and things which are not bring to nothing the things that are. And this is what God does. Why does God do these things? Why does God choose to save his elect through the means of the gospel? And then why does he so often choose, why does he call out those who are not noble, but rather, in Paul's days, so many of them were slaves. So many of them were poor. Many of them were in idolatry. In fact, all these folks like us were, in fact, in idolatry. Some of them were in deep sexual immorality. Why? Well, we see that there is an answer to that. He called out the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, the things which are not to bring nothing, the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. That is the answer. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. That no one can brag and boast, I'm here because fill in the blank is here. I'm saved because fill in the blank is saved, and I like them, and I think they're cool, so I'm following them. That doesn't work. So God has called out the least, the lowest, so often, the most unlikely ones, made them his sons and his daughters and put his spirit into them, called them according to his sovereign purpose. So, so there is no bragging, no boasting. It is according to sovereign choice. It is according to his mercy alone. Sovereign grace, church family, sovereign grace. Verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. See all that Christ has done for those who he's called. He has made our wisdom, made wisdom for us. So that we receive all the wisdom necessary to uh, bring us unto salvation. And to fit us for his service. So he calls us and he equips us. For the calling he has for our life. He has made us righteous. We have wisdom from God on righteousness. This is because we are guilty and we deserve God's wrath. And so he declares us to be righteous by being justified by faith. He is our sanctification. We have the Spirit of God indwelling us and changing us. Praise be to God. And fifth, just the last observation, is that Paul models this Christ-centered preaching in his own life. Very quickly, just look again at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech uh, or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God for, again, this wonderful verse, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul was the model of what he preached. You can see this was even in, you know, his weakness. Verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 
and my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom. Paul is, in effect, saying, maybe I'm not the same great orator that the Apostle Paul, or that Apollos, not Apostle, that Apollos was. And yet, it's not about the personality, it's about the message. Not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Now, brethren, we're not all, you know, called to be uh, pastors or, you know, um, even to speak publicly, but we can all speak the gospel. And brethren, when you do so, even if you do so, look, even if you do so in weakness and fear and in much trembling, have you ever shared the gospel and felt fear, weakness, and much trembling? If you shared the gospel, you have. I have good news for you. The results of that conversation is not based on your oratory polish. It is based on the spirit and of power. And so the means that God has ordained to call out his elect is not beautiful people with beautiful polish. It is simple people with a beautiful message. It's the message that's beautiful. It's the message that's powerful. It's not about you. You can be unburdened from that. That could be such a burden for God's people to try to carry. You can be unburdened from that. And again, the reason why in verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. I mean, that's a disaster. If someone's entire Christian faith that is built upon the personality or the persuasiveness or even the faithfulness of a certain person, that's a house of cards. Your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. As a brethren, I would call all upon us today to give consideration to what Paul is saying here, to be encouraged in our Christian walk, uh, to uh, just proclaim the good news in whatever sphere you have. And hey, listen, while we're thinking about it, you know, um, Lord willing, one day, um, you know, our FCI ministry will open back up. Uh, and then, uh, you know, our nursing home ministry will open back up. Or maybe someone will ask you, uh, one of you men, to uh, lead a small group. And you'll think, oh, I can't do it because I'm timid, I'm, I'm weak, and I'm afraid, and I'm going to tremble. Well, you're in good company, right? What, that's what Paul says. That's how I came to you guys, right? That's what Paul says. So if you ever feel that way and you think, I can't do it, remember, it's not about you. Right? It's not about you. It's about the message. And you need to fix your mind on that and uh, take heart in that and allow that to uh, uh, allow you to say, yes, I, by God's grace and power, I can do that instead of, no, I can't do that. Father, we uh, thank you for the word of God. It's a lamp to our feet, light to our path. Thank you, Lord, for the simple words of the Apostle Paul. We pray we take it to heart and uh, pray you'd help us, Lord, to be faithful and uh, we thank you, Lord, for a beautiful gospel that Christ came to the world that he made. He lived for us a perfect life. He died for sinners, not for anything wrong he did, but for the wrong I did, but along the wrong, the sin of those who believed it. And uh, died as a perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God to take away the sins of all of those who believe, victoriously rose again. And grants everlasting life to any who will repent of their sins and believe upon him. Lord, that is a beautiful gospel. Help us, Lord, to uh, take every opportunity that you open up 
uh, to, uh, to declare that message. Even if it's with trembling lips and uh, nervous hearts, uh, help us, Lord, to be mindful. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about you. It's about your word. And, and even if it's with trembling lips, it's, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. If it's according to the word of God, we know that your word never returns back void. So help us, Lord, to be mindful of that. And let that encourage us, we ask in Jesus' name.